Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Michelle Berard LLC and Urban Book Editor. And I'm really happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now, we've been going through this COVID thing for a hot minute, and I know it's wearing thin on everybody, but as we lead up to the election, it is that much more important that we find our Zen place, we find our place of centeredness, and we go forward with focus and with purpose. I just want you guys to know that we can get through this. I know it's been challenging. Some of us have been suffering more than others, and I'd send my prayers and my best wishes out to all of you who have been sick yourselves with COVID or who have relatives who've had COVID or succumbed to COVID. I am, my heart is with each and every one of you. But just know that we can get through this. And the United States is a unique country in that we have a country of people from all over the world. And that's part of the purpose of this podcast is to really highlight our individual stories. Because if you just go with what they talk about in the media or what we see in movies, you would think that we were all so different from one another that there's no way we could understand one another. There's no way we could get along. And that is not true. It's just plain not true. I believe that we are more similar than we are different. And I believe that sharing our individual stories helps us to see that. We all want the same things. We all want to be happy. We all want to be healthy. We all want a better future for ourselves and for our children. Nobody wants to take anything from anybody. We just all want to have the same opportunities. And so with that, I just say, make sure you're taking care of yourselves. Make sure you're taking care of your people and make sure that you're participating in the political process in whatever way that you think is appropriate. I'm not going to admonish you to vote because some people don't want to vote and that's okay. How you choose to participate or not participate is up to you, but I just want you to do it actively. I want you to do it consciously. I want you to do it thinkingly, not from a I just heard this is the way I should do it kind of a mentality. But a, this is what my spirit, this is what my guide, this is what God tells me to do. And if God is telling you to go out there and vote, go out and vote. If God's telling you to stay home and watch TV, do that. If God's telling you to go take a hike, do that. But whatever it is, just make sure it's what is true to your heart. And make sure that you are acting out of love and not fear. Now, you guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel. And though we have grown onto our own platform... We are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guests on the September 25th show, 
grant writing expert and author of Grant Writing for Dummies, Dr. Beverly Browning. You can connect with Dr. Bev at her website and on social media. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the September 25th show at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common Movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message, guys, and I hope you will share it with the youth. Although you know that I know that you know that this is not just a message for the youth. Sometimes all of us need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, this week's guest is such a great guy, and he had tons of knowledge to share. Jason Zara is a financial advisor with Transamerica World Financial Group. He is Life, Health, and Securities, Series 6 and 63, licensed, and loves working with families to help them find financial independence. Jason has worked with Chambers of Commerce for more than five years. He has years of experience in marketing, journalism, and as a small business owner. He has an MBA with a concentration in marketing and is president of the Fontana Kiwanis Club and the Fontana Chamber of Commerce and BNI Connect and Thrive, Fontana Chapter. Jason Zara lives in Fontana, California with his wife, Chris. They have one daughter, Amber. So I'd like to welcome Jason Zara to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Jason, thank you for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Well, you know, I'm really excited because you have so much knowledge that you can share. And also, you're just such a nice guy. It's, it's fun talking oh. with you. It's always really nice talking with you. But, I that. Well, yeah. And I don't know if you have heard, but I start my interviews with two questions. And if you're ready, I'll go ahead and ask those. Shoot. Okay, so Jason Zara, who are you and how did you become who you are today? I can start with the easy one, I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a fun question. So professionally, I'm a financial advisor. Probably if I had to define myself by one thing, it would be I am the single most happily married man you'll ever meet and the single most proud father you'll ever meet. My wife, Chris, and I have a daughter, Amber. She's 22. And my family is everything with the rest of the world being distant, distant, second and beyond. All right. So how did you become um, the single most happily married man and proudest father you ever meet while also being a financial advisor? Well, I think I probably got very, very lucky. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people refer to their other half as their soulmate or their partner, but it's really just the truth in my case. Chris and I have been in business together. We've lived together. Our hobbies overlap. We do just about everything together. And the one part of our life that wasn't 100% together is when I was at my last job and I was pretty unhappy with it. And so... All of a sudden, I found myself given the gift of time, which sounds much better than saying unexpectedly fired, and decided to try a new adventure. And Chris has backed me up 100%. 
So helping people figure out their finances, their goals, their dreams, their future has always been a part of what I did. This is my first opportunity I found to do it professionally. And so I put it all together and here I am. Okay, so how did you do that before? So I spent a lot of years in marketing and in the Chamber of Commerce world. And so I've always been kind of in and around the finance industry. People have come to me for business coaching and strategic planning. And I've just done a lot of, I've got questions, can you get me answers kind of work over the years. And inevitably in the business world, if you have questions somewhere in there, a big piece of that is finances. And so it's always fascinated me. I've had a head for numbers. And finally, I found a way to help people with both their personal and their business finances. So how did you um, become a financial advisor? What exactly does a financial advisor do? Um, so the short, boring version of the answer is that it's a life insurance agent. To mm -hmm. get started, you, I, I was recruited through World Financial Group and worked with World Financial Group and Transamerica Financial Advisors. And essentially, you go down and see a presentation on what it is they do. And what they do is they help people figure out their goals and their dreams and what it would take to get there. Now, the, that's the financial advisor part of it, the planning, the financial needs analysis. Where do you want to be someday? Is retirement going to be a one-bedroom apartment or a two-bedroom condo or a private mansion on a private island with a yacht and a fleet? and a helicopter to take you wherever you want to go. The answer can vary wildly by person, but the process for getting there requires the same steps and planning that for everyone. So the start is to get an insurance license, move on to get a securities license, which allows for retirement planning, stocks, investments, that kind of thing. And then a lot of it from there is just education, teaching people how money works, teaching people how they can get to what it is they want to accomplish and helping people figure out their savings plans and their budgets along the way. Well, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of helping people figure out their goals and their dreams and what it takes to get there. I think a lot of people maybe have trouble with that. What kinds of things should they be thinking about to kind of figure out what are their goals? That's the part of the process that I love. Usually our first step is to sit down with the client for an hour and just talk through nothing more than that. There's no sales. There's no pitch. There's no fees. It's just what do you want to do short-term, medium-term, and long-term? It can be as simple as, you know, I wish I could go out for a nice steak once a week. Or it could be as complex as we want to own four homes and use them as rental properties and take the money to travel around the world. Once you ask the question, people have so much fun stopping and thinking about the answer because a lot of us are just trying to get through today or this week or this month. But if you don't plan for 30 years from now today, it's going to be much harder to get to where you want that future to be. Do you find that a lot of people maybe just haven't thought about it? Like literally, they're so busy living life that they're not able to plan Absolutely. And that's where financial advisors come in. We help them we help them look at what it would take to quit working someday. Just start with that simple premise of 
can you retire someday? A lot of people think the answer is no, I'll never be able to retire. I'm going to work until I die. But that's probably not what most of us really want for ourselves. And there are ways to not quite have to work until you die if all goes well. So that's what we help you figure out. So in broad terms, what do you find the financial situation of most people to be? I mean, obviously, you don't know every single person, but what do you typically find are weak spots or strengths that people have? I'd say the most alarming weak spot that most people have is they don't really know how much money they have or where it's going. That's usually the basis of our financial plan. How much do you bring in each month? How much do you spend each month? What should we do with what's left? And very few people can actually answer that question until they've sat down with a financial advisor and dug out the records and started really looking at it. Right? For most people, the answer is, oh, I think I still have some money left in the checking account. Or worse yet, I still have checks. I must still be able to buy things. <laughs> I know it's an old joke, but it's sadly still true. <laughs> it is true, probably, right? Um, so if people don't really know, I mean, this is going to sound like a weird question, maybe. I mean, I know what I earn each month. Are you saying mm -hmm. then that they don't really know how much they're earning or they don't know how much they're keeping or if if anything what is it that they don't know about their their i mean i don't understand that question that that thing i think sure uh, and obviously most people who have a steady paycheck know how much it is mm -hmm. but if you if their income is anything other than steady a lot of commission sales people realtors that kind of thing mm -hmm. they often can't really tell you how much do they make in a month or a year. They just know, do I have some money left or do I not? Same thing on the expenses. They don't really pay too much attention to how much does it cost them to live month to month to month. It's again, do I have money when this bill comes in? If it does, I pay it. If I don't, I hope I can pay it next week. Got it. So do you specialize in working with people who are in business for themselves or you know, on commissions and things like that? Yeah, I think they're, it's much easier to do these things for yourself if you have a monthly paycheck that's the exact same amount every month because probably by that point you're living on a budget by default even if you haven't really sat and written it out. Mm -hmm. But the people who are speculating, one month they make $2,000, the next month they make twenty. They're the ones who really need to figure out, okay, over the course of a year, what does it average out to? What do I need to make to cover everything? And what does that leave me with? It's especially tempting for people who are hit and miss on commission. I know a lot of realtors who love to go on fancy trips and big vacations and things like that when they close a good sale. And you can't blame them. I would love to do the same thing. But if you're making... You know, $100,000 a year, and it's costing you $8,000 a month to live, at the end of the year, you can only expect to have about $4,000 left. Mm. So if you get a $20,000 single commission check, and you only have an $8,000 in expenses that month, you say, woohoo, I've got twelve grand to spare. You go out and you blow it. But really, by the end of the year, you didn't have twelve grand to spare. You just were having a good day. Right. 
So, and so I help people find the balance. Now, if you get a $20,000 commission check, should you go out and do something nice? Absolutely. But maybe it should be a steak dinner instead of a cruise to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and do you find that a lot of people do that? Like, the, is that common for people who have businesses or, you know, are commission-based to kind of live that very up and then down lifestyle? It really is. I'm finding a lot of people, it's just, they're budgeting for this month or they're looking at, is there money in the bank right now for what I want to do? And if the answer is yes, they go spend it on what they want to do. They don't worry about what the answer to that question will be tomorrow. So what kind of tips would you have for someone who is in that situation? Let's say they just aren't ready to get a financial advisor but they recognize that this is their tendency and they want to kind of nip this in the bud. Well, so the first thing I'd say there is that there's no reason to not be ready to get a financial advisor. None of the, what we're talking about has a charge or a fee or an obligation. I will sit with you and work on your budget and help you with projections and help you figure out where your money is going entirely free. That's just a part of the service we provide. And so you don't have to think, oh, I don't have the money for a financial advisor. I don't have the money to invest. I don't have whatever. There is nothing that you are required to have to get help with that kind of service. Mm -hmm. That said, what it really comes down to is figuring out what's your budget for the year look like. Like in the example I gave you before, if, they're going to, if they make on average $100,000 a year, and have $96,000 in annual expenses, then what I recommend is the first $96,000 they make, or as close to it as they can get, goes into their expense account, whether it's savings, checking, whatever. They put it aside, and that's what they need to live on for the year. Mm -hmm. If they've made that by March, fantastic. Everything they get for the rest of the year, they can divide it into savings and projects and vacations and investments and whatever else is on the to-do mm -hmm. list. But get your $96,000 first because just one big commission today does not guarantee another big commission tomorrow. That's the sad reality. Right. And people who are in sales commission type jobs and business, you know, business owners may not, they wouldn't always have that structure necessarily for retirement. So those expenses should probably include savings for retirement. Right. Yeah. So that's the other thing is you, I don't encourage people to, I, I, of course I encourage frugality. It's always good to be responsible with your money, but I don't encourage people to cut their entertainment budget down to zero or to never go out to dinner or to never go on a trip. You just build that into your monthly expenses. So if $8,000 is covering nothing but rent and food in your car, then maybe you change your monthly budget to say 9,000. Now you've got room for the movies and dinner and all those other things that you would like to be part of your day-to-day -day life without being extravagant. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. And then also as they do more, what, investing or doing investing in their businesses or doing whatever to increase their income, then they could divert more funds in different directions. Is that 
how that typically works? Right. The, so as part of the plan, we look at several different areas. And so obviously the first objective is to be able to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes to eat and have the lights on all at the same time. And I don't blame <laughs> them a bit. After that, you prioritize several different things. It could be, we encourage you to build an emergency fund so that if the refrigerator dies and the tires go flat and the roof leaks all in the same month, you're not having to reach for the credit card. You're instead reaching for the emergency fund. You have a cash reserve to handle those little things that come up in life. Mm -hmm. Then you might start saving for retirement, saving for education for the kids, saving for that investment property you want to buy someday or your next new car, whatever. That's where the identifying your goals and dreams come from. You, know, you need exactly $8,000 a month to live on. What do you do with the $8,001? Where's your next priority? And that's what we help you identify. Now, what if people have priorities that seem out of reach based on where they are today? What kind of advice would you give someone? Let's say I decided, you know what, Jason, I'd like to have my own private island. That seems a little out of reach right now. But what kind of advice might you give me to help me navigate that? I actually love doing those plans. And sometimes with clients, I will sit down and do the, okay, here's what looks achievable plan. And the, here's what I do if I happen to win the Powerball plan, just so you can see where the range is between the two. Mm -hmm. So if you want to own your own private island, we would sit down and come up with a ballpark. Let's say... Would you be happy with a $10 million island? Oh, me? Yes. Okay. I think. I don't know. Is that, is that a dive for a private island? Is that... <laughs> you know, I mean, it's definitely not Oahu, but I, I suspect <laughs> you could get yourself a nice island for $10 million. Okay. I could be okay. wrong. Okay. Then I'll take a $10 million island, island. All right. So for this purpose, you want a $10 million island. And so I, what I do is I put into the computer your data on how much money do you have saved for your private island so far, and how many years from now do you want to retire to your private island? So if you've got 20, million, 20 years from now, you need to come up with the money for your $10 million island. A uh, little basic math says that you need to come up with a half a million dollars a year. To come up with a half a million dollars a year, you're going to need to invest let's say $30,000 a month. That would be an investment of 360,000 a year plus growth. And we would mm -hmm. put in all of those projections. And so that would be how it works. We basically back up from the $10 million to today and say, all right, to purchase this $10 million island in the year 2040, you need to start saving $30,000 a month. Now, obviously, if you say, I don't even make $30,000 a month, let alone have the ability to save it, then there's exactly two things you can change if your cash flow isn't meeting your needs. You either need to earn more or spend less. So your alternatives are find, okay, what's the plan that I need to make $30,000 a month for my private island fund? Or yeah, I don't think I want to work quite that hard let's scale the private island fund down to a nice room and a cruise ship fund or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So I will never tell you that your goals are out of your reach or that your goals aren't realistic or that your goals aren't right for you because they are your goals. But I will sit down and show you the hard numbers and say, here you go. If you put $30,000 a month into this investment account, I can help you get to that private island. Very cool. So let's say that you're dealing with a young person and maybe they're, I don't want to say hostile, but they're kind of looking at things going, man, I just got out of college. I've got all this student loan debt. How am I supposed to save extra money for my private island that I want when I'm 60? You know, that's, I've got to, I got to eat today. What do you have to say to them? The power of time is totally in their favor. And so the simple question for your average 21 or 22 year old who's just starting out and wants to know why they should listen to some dodgy old guy talking about saving responsibly is how would you like to have a million dollars? Most of them would probably at least be interested in hearing the next sentence. <laughs> now, my daughter's 22. She's got plenty of years ahead of her. So I sat down and did a financial plan with her and for about $200 a month, she can be a millionaire when she retires very easily. Me, if I put $200 a month aside, I'm never going to live long enough to see a million dollars. So that's the, that's the advantage of starting when you're young. Is it, It's tough to convince them to look at 40 years from now because they've only lived half that long and 40 years is an eternity. But they have a very easy path to a lot of money and a comfortable retirement if they're willing to take it. And what about folks who um, maybe are in the lower income bracket? Maybe they earn $12, $15 an hour. Sure. The, you know, the answer is always it's better to do something than nothing, mm -hmm. and it's better to do it sooner than later. And so I have plenty of clients that I work with that are saving $25 or $50 a month. And maybe their grand dream right now is they'd like to take the kids to Disneyland someday. And, you know, there are plenty of people that Disneyland tickets are, what, 120 bucks a piece? And then you've got to get there, and then you've got to eat those outrageous fries and buy $30 mountains. <laughs> a trip to Disneyland is no longer a quick, easy outing like it was once upon a time. And so your financial goals don't have to be retirement and investment properties and new cars. It can be, I want to go to Disneyland in two years. How do I get there? And they can save, you know, if, if $5 a week is a realistic savings amount, then you save $5 a week. And I'll tell you how many weeks it takes you to go to Disneyland. It really, the plan works the same for any amount of money and any amount of time. It just, you've got to have the, you've got to have one or the other on your side, time or money. Well, and you might have two different types of goals, right? So maybe Disneyland is, <coughs> excuse me, maybe Disneyland is the short-term goal, mm -hmm. but maybe, you know, buying a house in Florida is a long-term goal for retirement. Right. And a lot of things just, 
if you look at the housing market, especially here in Southern California, it's like, oh no, I'm going to buy a house. That's might be a half a million dollars. And I, I know I don't have a half a million dollars and I can't save a half a million dollars. And that may be true, but the down payment on a house is only 3%. So maybe it's like, okay, well that's $15,000. That's a much more achievable number. Mm-hmm. And then there are down payment assistance programs. So maybe you only need 10% of that. Okay, now I only need $1,500 to potentially be able to buy a house. Now, of course, you still have to look at the big picture. Does it make sense to buy a $500,000 house if you're not sure you can afford it? That's a whole other conversation. But right. if you break the goal down into a manageable piece, what is the first step? What is the step that I can realistically do? And how do I get there? And then the written plan, of course, includes the whole 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But a lot of times clients just want to focus on, I need a car. I need a trip to Disneyland. I need a down payment. How do I get to that? And then we'll worry about the next step next. Got it. Well, Jason, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? They can text me at 760-970-9338. Or they can email me, jasonazara at gmail.com. And if, let's say somebody was on the East Coast, they wanted to talk with you, could they still do that? Or do you have to just work with folks out out West? Right now, I'm licensed in California and Arizona. If it's just some general inquiries or a conversation about how these things happen to work, I'm happy to talk to anybody anywhere in the world. Uh, But if it comes down to the specifics of wanting to place investments, then, of course, you would need to work with someone licensed in your state. And would you be able to refer them to someone possibly, or how does that work? Absolutely. Uh, The company I work with has a network of offices throughout the entire nation. We are in all 50 states. And quite frankly, if somebody really wants to work with me, I'd be happy to get a license for any state in the country. California licenses are actually recognized anywhere. So, Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing all of this wonderful information. Thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Next up, our good friend Julia Black will be joining me for True Talk. I know building a website can be intimidating, but you need a place where your audience can connect with you. Instead of fighting with technology, try the easiest, most flexible website builder available. With templates for all types of websites, ranging from landing pages to e-commerce, Urban Book Editor's platform makes creating an author website quick and easy. Just add a section, Upload your photos and videos, type your text, and you're in business. It couldn't be easier. And if you sign up for an annual plan, you can get 10% off the first year. Just use discount code FIRSTYEAR. That's 1-S-T-Y-E-A-R. The number 1-S-T-Y-E-A-R in all caps. Take advantage of the 14-day free trial. No credit card is needed. Visit urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website from the menu bar at the top of the page. No more struggling with technology. 
No more paying a small fortune to developers. Create beautiful websites without learning to code. Spend more time writing and less time worrying about your website. Just go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website. You'll see how easy it is to build a great website to showcase your work. Go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website today. So we are back with our good friend, Julia Black. Hey, Julia. Hey, how's it going? It is going. It is going. It's been an interesting 20 years. How long have we been at this COVID thing? <laughs> Definitely a very long time. Seems like a very, very long time. Um, and in fact, it's been so crazy, wicked busy for us that this is the first time we've done a True Talk in a minute. Yes, absolutely. But it's been, you know, it, it, it's, it's been an interesting six months for us. You know, we've got yeah. the other podcast. We've got, other, we've got lots of other things going on. Lots of exciting things going on. Um, and this is actually a really good topic. This is a good time to address some of this because we've been into the COVID situation since officially since about March, but we all know that it's been floating around here for longer than that. Uh, so, you know, now I think it's a good time for us to really evaluate, you know, how things like COVID-19 or like, you know, the fires in California, all these different things that have been happening impact our money and how we think about money. What's going on with you? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Is that a couple of years ago, we talk about all of the things that kind of people have been, have been kind of thinking about and restructuring. We did a couple of years ago. Um, the fires hit um, in Northern California, I think it was two, three years ago now, um, in Santa Rosa and Napa, when all of those people just kind of lost their homes in the middle of the night. We actually knew two people, uh, one of our nephews and some very, very good family friends had to leave very brief, like within 10 minutes, mm -hmm. um, where they were woken up in the middle of the night. And it's like, you have to leave now the fire, like it's in your backyard. You have to leave now. So it, it even though I live, we live in an area that, um, is close to brush and is, is, is near kind of just vacant land. Um, where there's vegetation and things like that that can dry up. So we have, I essentially had to create, because fires start at different times, I had to create for my own head because planning is how I handle anxiety. Um, <laughs> so I had to create, I essentially have three lists, three wildfire lists. I've got a list in my head of what I need if we, if we have 10 minutes. I've got a list if we have an hour and I've got a list if we have like six hours. Um, and if it's something like six hours, that generally means that it's about a mile away. There's a very good chance it can come up. We're kind of like up on this hill. So there's a very good chance it can come up on the hill. Um, and what that means is, okay, if I have six hours, what am I packing in the car? The car gets packed before we go to bed, um, with everything that we need. So that's, so those are the things where it's like, what can I not live without? And those are the things that like you can't replace, right? It's my, the, the paintings that my grandmother did. Um, mm. It's, um, you know, it's definitely the useful things like computers and that kind of a thing. But it's also um, packed suitcases. It's, um, you know, any, anything that is going to be very difficult to replace. 
um, within, you know, if we're talking about the 10 minutes, it really is just the dog, a pair of shoes, and my computer. Everything else gets replaced. Got it. Um, so for me, when it came, when COVID started and we, when, when COVID happened and we were, um, and, and we had to become more budget conscious, I had already kind of started thinking about all of these things. Is there, is there really anything in this house that I really, really need? Well, no, like we kind of already know that. Um, but it has completely, but because of that, because we're not leaving and because we're staying home, um, our, our buying habits have changed. Um, our spending habits have changed. You know, I'll ask the question, if I see something online that I like, or even if it's a gift for somebody, I'll stop and I'll go, okay, is this something, is this something that we really need to get? Is this something this person is really going to like? Um, you know, what's useful? What is going to bring them joy? You know, it's kind of like the Marie Kondo. It's, it's kind of like the Marie Kondo whole situation, but it's, but I, but I apply it to buying. Got um, it. Is it useful? Is it going to bring me joy? Um, is it going to bring the other person joy if I'm buying it as a gift? Um, so it's just a different way of, of restructuring that. And it means that I then, frankly, I just don't buy as much. I mean, we didn't buy a lot before, but we're buying even less now. Right, right. Really? Well, and like, it's interesting because for me, and you and I've talked about this offline, um, when I moved to California, I didn't know anything about earthquakes. Mm -hmm. So all I knew was we're in a place where they have earthquakes and fires. If we have to leave suddenly, what do we need? Mm -hmm. And one of the things, you know, Michael had been in the civil air patrol here in Georgia. And so he had a whole bunch of emergency stuff mm -hmm. already that came out there with us, including MREs and right. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I got more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Basically a backpack of that kind of stuff for me. Mm -hmm. I got us um, a water filtration cups yeah. in case we ended up having to bolt suddenly. Right. And, you know, I always kept bottled water around, but, you know, we may be able to take one jug of bottled water with us and then we may need to just find some stream or something. I don't know. I have no idea what the conditions are. Right. Um, And I kept packed certain things that I considered to be priceless, like the kids' baby books. Mm -hmm. Because I know it's a silly thing, but my logic was I'll grab this box, throw it in the truck of the car, and we'll roll out. Right. And that's that the was. same, yeah. And that's the same situation like with my grandmother's paintings, right? It's like, what are the things that, those are the things that you feel like you can't replace, the things that have. And you have an emotional attachment to it. Right. So that's, that was my approach out there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's similar to like, and of course I had important, some things because I come from hurricane country, they're just things that I've always done. Like important documents, they live in a giant Ziploc bag. Right. Because you have to protect it from water. Right. <laughs> also, uh -huh. it makes it really handy to just grab it and just go. Just grab it and go. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there are things like that. Um, and, and, and I employed essentially that same approach. So basically, 
we should be able to throw a few clothes together real quick, um, mm -hmm. grab the laptops and iPads, that box, the emergency stuff, mm -hmm. and our important documents and roll out. That's kind yeah. of the approach that I take. Mm -hmm. um, because I had been on my own rearing three kids, I've always been very focused on making my home as comfortable as possible for us. Right. Because that way we didn't have to go out and spend a lot of money going to movie theaters and, uh -huh. you know, all kinds of other places. We could be very contented at home. So right. if the kids wanted a, what are these things? Xbox? Uh -huh. I found a way to get an Xbox for them. Because that made them happy. It made the home more comfortable. They were happy being here. That made my life easier ultimately. Right. right. And it wasn't, oh, can we go here? Oh, can we go there? Oh, can we go spend this money? Oh, can we go spend that money? Mm -hmm. And I had to be very budget conscious because at one point I was earning a very insufficient amount of money <laughs> to, right. live, to live in the Atlanta metro area. Right. Um, same thing with cable. And I am a big fan of having the fastest internet possible. I'm willing to pay for the fastest internet possible because I know that it's going to make sure that all of us can stream our devices, all of us can watch movies, all, you know, I'm willing to pay for that because then we're comfortable here and I don't need to take everybody across town to do something and then right. maybe have to spend, you know, another 50 bucks on dinner. Right. You know, feeding 10, you know, four people roughly, right? right? So because of that, I already had that tendency. So I feel like in some ways for me personally, the budgeting aspect of it, of, of this COVID thing hasn't been the issue. The main thing for me is that desire to have the things that I need has intensified. Yeah. So Every time I shop at Walmart, I buy either paper towels or toilet paper or napkins yeah. or cleaning supplies or some combination thereof, just in case we get to another point where yeah. there's no cleaning, there are no cleaning supplies. What do you mean there's no, there are no Lysol wipes to be found in the United States of America apparently right now? Yeah, no, and, and, I'm, and I'm starting to do that too, right? So, so for me, there's... Um, there's a couple of things, right? So the way that I look at everything that we do and everything we pay money for, um, I think about, I personally think about whether or not I think it's worth it. And then if I personally don't think it's worth the money for the amount of time that we're spending, then I'll discuss it with my husband and I'll see what he thinks. Um, because sometimes I'm just looking at it differently, right? So like mm -hmm. when it comes to things like cable, um, we've slowly started like weaning ourselves off of TV, but essentially what's been happening, particularly since COVID hit, we've been finding new TV shows, but we're both so busy, um, because we've picked up other hobbies or like I've got between a corporate job and my business and the podcast and everything else. I've got so much that I'm doing. Like mm -hmm. I literally have like one, maybe two hours a night to watch, to sit down and watch TV. And for the most part, like we've found TV shows that we like. So we'll watch a TV on, we'll watch a show on Netflix. We'll watch like one or two episodes. 
and we'll move on to the next thing. So if that's the only TV we're watching, why am I paying all this money for cable when right. really all we're doing is watching Netflix? Do I need it? No. Right. You know, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And so, um, you know, and then when it comes to making sure that I'm comfortable, I have started doing that same thing. I have started purchasing more toilet paper and buying wipes when I see them and, um, you know, making sure that there's, uh, because we don't go out, like we used to go out, I didn't mention this before, we used to go out probably two, three, maybe four times a week to get food, you know, to get takeout food or whatever, which has essentially we're now one, maybe once a month now, right. everything else is made here. So I'm like loading up on food every week um, and making sure that the cabinets are full and the fridge is full um, and stuff that we'll, that we'll eat. And so if, for me, it's the same thing, right? Okay, well, if I have, you know, 20 different options of things that I could make in the house, then I'm not gonna leave to go find something to eat where frankly there's not much there aren't many places anyway and i'm not comfortable enough yet to like sit in a restaurant so it's the same kind of thing right we just have we've, we've stopped and thought about what's going to make us and part of the comfort thing too not only like what you said about the video game consoles and all of that stuff but like your couch right yeah you know, is, is your couch comfortable um, is, you know, do you have a, you know, we had this like rug that I got years ago that I loved, but it was like, it was getting kind of rattier and rattier and I started to hate looking at it. It's okay. Let's get rid of the rug. I just don't want to look at it anymore. And I'm okay with that. Right. I found a rug that was, I found a throw because we needed a throw rug. We have tile. So we everywhere. So we needed a throw rug. Okay. Well, here's one that's on sale. This will work. That's fine. Gets to yeah. House. We don't have to worry about it. Um, we can afford it. And because we haven't been spending so much on eating out and other things, our spending is less anyway. See, and that's interesting to me because, you know, when we left from California, I left my sofa out there mm -hmm. because it, it was old and I, it made the trip out there, but it wasn't going to make another trip back east. Right. So it was like, okay, screw it. We'll just leave it. And I'll get something when I go back east. So I, I did go out shopping for a sofa and I found some stuff I liked, but in the end, this is what happened to me. I was so full of anxiety about being in that store for as long as I had been, even with my mask on, that I couldn't make a decision. Mm -hmm. I was just that agitated. And I said, you know what? this is not worth the level of stress that I'm going through right now. Right. I would rather not have a sofa for a while longer mm -hmm. and really pick something that I like rather than me feeling pressured to make a decision right now. Right. And that's what happened. So I literally decided I wasn't going to move forward mm -hmm. at that time because of that. And I know what I want now. You know, I've had two weeks now to sit down and ponder it and think mm -hmm. about it. And I'm like, yeah, I, sh I, I can go ahead and get that one. But I could not make a decision in that environment. And that's when it really dawned on me, you know what? You don't want to be in these environments. You don't, no. I don't want to go into a store and be there for more than seven to 12 minutes, basically. That's where I am mentally. If I can't mm -hmm. go in, grab it and leave, I'm not trying to do it. Right. So 
why put myself through it? And that's a different type of comfort. Yeah. And I was willing to trade having, I mean, I literally have no sofa right now. So that means I cannot just sit and enjoy watching TV laid out on the sofa like I normally might. Mm -hmm. But I feel so much better having made that decision that that's a different type of comfort. Yeah. And there are other things too, right? So, and this isn't necessarily related to finances, but it is, but it is something that I think is important is that for reasons I don't quite understand, my oven is not working correctly. Um, and I've been doing more baking. Like one of, I'm trying to bake bread and I'm trying to bake muffins and I'm trying to bake all this stuff. And I realized I was having such a hard time and I assumed that it was, that it was, um, that somehow my baking skills like tanked (laughs) that, that, you know, the baking gods were no longer with me. And all of a sudden it just wasn't the case. And then we, and then like, realize like and then made something that I've made 10,000 times before and it didn't work and I'm like okay it's the oven yeah um and you know that meant that I had to call someone to come out here mm-hmm. to fix it um and he couldn't he said no your your oven's working fine try doing you know I was like oh you have a convection thing use convection instead which I did and it still didn't work out so I called him again and I have to have this person come out again and I'm uncomfortable because I mean he's nice enough he's a lovely man um but it makes me uncomfortable but what's more important to me is that the oven is fixed to get holidays yeah. You know, it works fine when I'm cooking. It it works fine when I'm like baking food or roasting vegetables or something, but when I'm baking, it's not working right. So it has to be fixed right. or it's going to completely ruin the holidays for me and that can't happen. Cuz the hol- I mean, let's be let's be frank. The holidays are going to be stressful and weird this year. They just are. So if it's going to make yeah. me feel better to have, and, and, and if he, and if this man can't figure out what's wrong with it and I can't find somebody else to fix the oven, then my husband already sees this coming. We're going to have to buy a new stove. We're going to have to buy a new range so that I have an oven that works. Well, that'd be easier, frankly, than trying yeah, to get somebody to come six times to fix it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I was actually deeply gratified because my garage door stopped working. We had some storms out here, mm-hmm. lightning strikes and whatnot, and the garage door stopped working. And I had a guy out here and lovely guy, but he wore his mask down around his chin. <laughs> <laughs> really lovely guy, though. And... Mm-hmm. But fortunately, all I have to do is let him in the garage and come back upstairs. Right. And he's, he's got to replace the whole thing. The assembly, the whole assembly has got to be replaced. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Sometimes it's just easier. Right. You know, thank goodness it just died. It wasn't something where he's going to tinker with it and then maybe have to come back. Right. Into it. So, I mean, that's me being exceedingly grateful for that. Right. I think the thing about um, all of this from a financial perspective is really that we have to think about whether we need to shift our priorities. Yeah. That's one of the main things we have to do. So like for me, my priorities are shifting a little in that I am, I've always been one to keep my cabinets full. I always, Mm -hmm. I've, having enough food and stuff in the house is, has always been a priority. We, you know, I grew up in a house where sometimes there wasn't that much food. Mm -hmm. So 
that's always been a priority. I never wanted my kids to feel like they had nothing to eat. And it's funny how you can open up a cabinet or a fridge and see absolutely nothing in there to eat, right? You're right. Like first world problems. But that's that I never wanted them to feel that way. So I always mm-hmm. have probably way too much food. Um, but one of the things that has shifted is while I always make sure I have enough toilet paper or enough paper towels or enough napkins, I don't run out of those things typically. Now it's like, no, we've got to have extra. We've got to have extra. Extra yeah. napkins because there were those, and you know how bad it was in California. Was I don't bad. know about anywhere else, but in California, the shelves were bare. They were bare. And it didn't matter what time you went. It was, it had, you know, it was. Didn't matter what school. Didn't matter. Shop. Didn't matter um, wh- what time you went. Didn't matter if you nope. ordered online and had somebody bring it to you. Didn't matter if you went to the store. The shelves were bare. Shelves were bare. Although to be fair, I did find I had much better luck with the Latin markets than with the probably yeah. Um, be, they tended to have more supplies, I think, just because which I think is interesting because Southern California has tons and tons of uh, Hispanic people, right? But their stores seem to stay better stocked, a little bit better stocked at least than other stores. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that shifted. My priorities did shift a little bit, you know, yeah. but more in the area of. We got to make sure we have paper goods. We've got to make sure we have, you know, the mm-hmm. clean stuff. like every time I, I make groceries, I try to order at least one cleaning item. Yeah. And I'm doing that too, right? Is that I'm getting, you know, like my, my sister's been looking, my sister only wants Clorox wipes. She won't use any other brand. And it's like, you're not going to, okay. So every yeah. time I go to the market, I look for Clorox wipes, but I'm not going to find them. I use, you know, seventh generation wipes which still disinfect and still kill germs and still do all of that stuff but every you know and I can get it you know I'm finding them so every time I see one I can grab one of those all right this will work Uh, see I think that's funny because I prefer Lysol wipes I do not like Clorox wipes I think they're harsh (laughs) I think yeah everybody's got everybody's Everybody's got got their preference everybody's got their preference but but you know whatever the preference is you can't find it right now (laughs) right yeah whatever you're probably you know find find you can't be picky is is, I guess yeah well but that but that's the thing too right is that there's been a lot of times where it's like okay we don't have this you know and this is a this has been an interesting shift for me is that oh, they don't have it. Okay. Well, what do I have and what can I make instead? Right. Is it generally when I was making food in the house, it would be, I need to have all the ingredients. I must go to the store. Even if I'm missing something, no, I have to go. I have to go to the store and I have to get it. And now it's like, no, okay. I don't have it. Can I make it without it? Yeah, probably it'll work. I'm doing a lot more of that kind of stuff, which I never did before. Um, Oh, we've always been, unless it's like something critical, critical to the recipe, mm-hmm. we've always been like, okay, what can we substitute? We are right. Very, yeah. And I, but I've never, yeah, but I've never been saying. one of those cooks that felt comfortable enough doing that. Oh, okay. Um, because cooking isn't one of those things that I have ever really particularly enjoyed doing. Um, and that's part of the reason why we ate out so much is that I just didn't, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I don't want to, <laughs> I just don't have, you know, I just don't have the energy. I don't, I don't, you know, and so, yeah. and there are, and there are nights now, and, and, and now for the nights when I would have just said, let's go out to dinner. The answer is, I'm sorry, there's not dinner. There's sandwiches. 
you can make his, you know, there's plenty of stuff. You want to make quesadilla, you want to make nachos, like there's plenty of that stuff. Right. And I'll eat it or I'll make a can of soup or I'll do that kind of stuff. And then my husband's on his own when he gets home and we're good. Yeah, um, there you go. You know, like there's a lot of that where I've, I've, you know, where there's been, where the shift has already occurred, right? Because sometimes the shift has occurred, but you haven't quite realized that there's a shift and how do we adapt? Right. Right? right. It's like, okay, well, what's changed and how can we adapt to the change so that we are saving money or saving time or whatever? Or whatever. feeling more secure because maybe you feeling more secure, spending more money initially and then right. you feel better and you don't have to spend as much. Right. So, but what if, so one of the things that I have been thinking about, because especially people who have kids in school and mm -hmm. they've got to do online learning and all kinds of other stuff that maybe they are not well prepared for, particularly mm -hmm. if they're in a lower income house. One of the things I've been thinking about is where would they find the resources that they need if their current income doesn't accommodate some of these things. So like for me, I'm willing to pay a ridiculous amount for very fast internet, like I mentioned. Right. In part because if I have all of my kids at home and two of them are college age, one of them's in law school. Um, so one of my kids ended up going off to college because his campus did open. The uh, One of the other college, the other college age kids, she came home because her campus ended up not opening. So she and I are both working throughout the day and we need fast internet. Mm -hmm. Plain simple. You can't not have that if you've got Zoom meetings and videos you have mm -hmm. to deal with and publishing documentation, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. You can't not have that stuff. So I'm willing to pay for that. But what if you don't have, you know, 200 bucks a month to put toward internet, which is what it ends up being if you bundle it with the TV and the phone or whatever. Right. Tell you. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have a house phone. They, they, they gave it to me. So I'm like, okay, whatever. We don't really use it. But um, where can, you know, I've been thinking about where they would access some of those resources. Like, I know that some of, I have heard, I'm not saying I know personally, but I have heard that some of the school districts were sending school buses around to act as like mobile Wi-Fi stations mm -hmm. so that people could connect to there to get their schoolwork done. Yeah, I would say that's an option. You're probably looking at, I know like the, the local library out here, um, in my city has a lot of outdoor seating and so they didn't open the library, but what they did do is they kept the internet on and made it free. So parents could bring their kids um, for their Zoom classes and take the free internet and sit outside. Um, so you were encouraged to kind of bring camp chairs or bring blankets or whatever and whatever computer, assuming you had some kind of a, a portable computer, um, you could get the internet from there. And I know that the school districts also around here we're, we're checking out, I don't want to say giving away, but loaning, at least loaning, if not giving yeah. away. Um, loaning technology. Technology, computers, mm -hmm. or, or iPads, or, you know. Some kind uh, of tablet tablet, kind of tablets. Tablets, something, so, the, so, the, so, the, so that all the kids would have them. Um, they spent, um, you know, there were a few districts around here that over the summer, that's part of what they did is they, they started, um, they were collecting tablets and, and laptops that they could then check out, um, to kids as well. Um, 
Well, and then in terms of like um, the school lunch programs, I know in California they were doing this. I don't know about it here. I think they were also doing it here in the Atlanta metro area. They continued the school lunch programs in some mm -hmm. cases through the summer. Yeah. Uh, so where the kids even, and this is important because there are a lot of kids who that's the only meal they get mm -hmm. when they go to school. And so like in, in my neighborhood, actually, they have a summer lunch program for the kids mm -hmm. where they will have sack lunches for them. So th this is clearly something that is significant enough for, and I'm, like I said, I'm pretty far outside of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So um, this is not just an inner city thing. I want to be very clear. There are a lot of kids who that's really mm -hmm. the only meal they get is when they go to school. So yeah, and there are taking advantage of those programs if they have them. Checking yeah, and they yeah, and they've changed they those programs, right? They've changed they they pretty much moved those programs to to go programs, um, right. where, the, where the families are getting bags of food to go, um, that are helping. But there are also, I think, the other thing that's important is that there are churches and temples and other. Um, kind of religious communities that are giving away um, um, food pantries. Food, they're doing more food pantries or they're doing hot meals that they're giving away. And I, I can't remember, it's one of the um, Middle Eastern religions, I, Sufi or um, there are these temples around and part of their, I'll have to look it up, but they're part of what they do as part of their faith is to give food away. Um, and so they're used to making food for hundreds of people and have figured out how to do that and create a community and do it to go so that people in the community can get free, free meals. Um, and so I know that there are a lot of groups that are, that are doing a lot more of that as well. Um, so look around, you'll probably find some of that stuff. Um, and then any, you know, any other government programs, there are government programs to help you with your internet, your electricity, your cell phone, um, all of that stuff for the lower income groups, particularly if you've like lost your job and you, you, you kind of don't know where to go or, or what to do or whether or not you qualify. Um, that's important as well, right? Yeah, they're mandated by law. Most of the, most of the internet providers in the areas uh, particularly in the major cities, are required by law to provide some sort of basic internet package mm -hmm. to families now in many, many jurisdictions. So you can check into that. Yeah. But there are other things that we can do individually too. Like mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, you know, we started looking at, my sister and I started going to a meat market every few weeks. And this is the kind of place that sells um, meat that's like packaged for restaurants. You know, so it's kind of bulk mm -hmm. packaging, like you don't buy a pound, a couple of pounds of, of ground beef, you get instead like a 10 pound thing of ground beef, mm -hmm. or, you know, you get 10 steaks, you get five, you know, 10 pounds of shrimp, you know, in a box or whatever, right. that's all packaged up like that, a huge bag of chicken, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, um, where you have like 24, 26 chicken thighs in there, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And we started, she had been going here for a while. I didn't know because I was in California. She'd been going there for a while. When I came back, she told me about it. And we started going and what we would do is we'd sit down and say, okay, well, what do you want to get? What do I want to get? 
and where we had overlap, we would share. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, in her house, they like to eat wings. I'm not a big fan of wings. I prefer like chicken quarters, let's say, or chicken thighs. So that stuff, I get my chicken quarters, she get her wings. But if we both wanted some shrimp, let's say, we would go in on a box of the shrimp and then we'd split the contents. Right. And that's how we've been able to buy an enormous amount of mm -hmm. meat, you know, fish, this salmon, all kinds of fish and steak and shrimp and stuff like that. Um, we've been able to buy tons of this stuff and literally just stuff our freezers and then not have to spend that money right. every single week. So now when I'm shopping on a weekly basis, it's for, you know, milk and juice right. and yeah. things like that as opposed, you know, and fruits and vegetables. And I don't necessarily have to worry about buying all of this meat because my fridge, my freezer right. is stuffed with it. And that's been a great way for us to save money. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, we may spend, let's say a hundred dollars each, but we don't go back to buy meat for weeks at a time. Right. Just yeah. And absolute I, weeks. Yeah. And I think what's important to note about that too, is that particularly since so many restaurants closed, a lot of those, a lot of the restaurant distribution centers like this one. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. what we're calling them. A lot of them have opened to the public. They, they yep. historic many, many of them, the majority of them I think are closed to the public. Um, but a lot of them have opened to the public now because they, because they need to pay their bills like the rest of us do. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, you know, my brother's in the catering business. And one of the things that happened when everything started shutting down and it was, it was hard to get things like eggs and meat and stuff. Um, he made it very clear. He said, if you start to have problems getting stuff, then let me know because I can go to a restaurant supply and, and I can just get it and I'll drive it to you so that we can, we can, you know, because it's in, you know, right. The same thing would be happening. Um, and so, and, but, and it's not just with meat, right? It can right. be things like herbs or you can take, right. Herbs I think are expensive. Um, dried herbs are expensive and I, use a lot of them but if you can grow them yourself herbs are one of those things that you can keep in the house um or you can keep on a patio and they're relatively easy to grow so you know unless you suck at growing unless you like unless you have a black unless you have a brown thumb or a black thumb or you you don't have a green thumb we'll call it that way <laughs> i'll say it that way um you know try growing stuff because it's going to be it's going to be much cheaper that way and it couldn't hurt for you to try right, right. um and it's inexpensive to try. See, and it might be fun. And it might be fun. There is nothing like the taste of fresh basil. I yeah. don't care what anybody Oh, knows. and it makes the kitchen smell incredible. It does. No, yeah. it really just does. And, you know, it, particularly if you have little kids in the house, it could be a fun little project. Like this is one of those things that you can just kind of try out and, and figure out. And who knows, maybe you're great at it and you just want to yeah. you know, move into other things. Um, if you right. can, if you can move into things like vegetables, I know, I mean, granted, we have, a, we have a much easier time of it in California, particularly in the winters, but I know a lot of people that started container vegetable gardens on their patios and did very well. And it's so much cheaper to get your produce if you grow it from a seed and you put it in a pot. The only, so there's some people though, like me, I'm not great at growing right. necessarily. You can also buy herbs in bulk. You yes, can get you can. Food grade herbs. Just make sure you're getting food grade, but mm -hmm. you can buy food grade herbs in bulk. And you can also do other things like um, 
your phone plan. If yes. you have, you know, sisters and brothers who are maybe, maybe, you know, I'm saying sisters and brothers, I've got grown kids basically, right? Mm -hmm. I'm keeping them on the phone plan. And yeah, my rule of thumb is they graduate from college, I kick them off. But right now it's actually more cost effective to have them all on and mm -hmm. then let the grown-ups pitch into your one bill rather than Right. And that, and that can be done with everything, right? That can be done with your Netflixes and your YouTube TVs and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like this is- Read the, the rules though. I am going to yeah, say- Yeah, read the rules. Like I, yeah. Because they are supposed to mem be members of your household. Yeah. And it depends on what the rules are, but I remember, uh, yeah. So some of them, some of them allow, you have to look into it. Some of them allow to be outside the household and some of them don't, but definitely read the rules on that. Um, but even, but, but the other situation too, right, is that like when it comes to things like cable, I've said this before, I can't remember if I said it, you know, where it's like, how much TV are we watching? Are we watching that much TV? No. Okay. Well then let's just cut the cable. What are we watching? We're watching Netflix. We're, we're watching two hours of Netflix a night. Okay. Then we don't need cable. Let's cut it. Um, or, you know, I called, I called up my cable company and I said, hey, we're only watching two hours of, of TV a night, um, so I want to cut the cable. And they said, well, what will you be using instead? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wavering between Hulu Live and, um, and YouTube TV. And they said, oh, well, we have an app that for, you know, $20 more than what your, um, what your internet is. Um, you get an app and you'll get more channels than you were getting on your current plan. Okay. Get me the app. Cool. So I'm saving $30 a month. Um, and I'm getting more channels than I was getting before. We're still not really watching them, but I'm still saving money. So, okay. But think about, you know, think about those things. What, what are you, what are you, re what are you paying for? And of those things, what are you really using? And also make sure you revisit all those automatic payments and memberships, right? So mm -hmm. I have um, Netflix, the kids wanted Hulu. I said, no, I'm not doing both. Not going to do it. Right. Um, we have the Disney plus thing, but that's only because they gave it to me free for they a year. To me, they, they gave ours for free too. Uh-huh. Yeah. But what you have to do, this is really important is put a reminder in your phone or in your calendar or something a week or two before that thing is due for renewal so that you don't accidentally get a credit card hit to your bill or if it was added to your mm -hmm. Verizon bill or whatever, you don't get that money added on there unexpectedly. That's mm -hmm. really important that you remember to not just check the ones that you have right now, but also make sure like if, you know, I have a Sirius XM, it's a one-year subscription. I got it at a great deal. I did it because while well, we were traveling back across the country, I use it mainly when I'm in the car. We were going to be in the car for, what, six days, yeah. five days. Yeah. And we had a couple other road trips to take, you know, like take Michael up to college and things like that. Okay. It is worth it to me to go ahead and get the discounted rate on a year's worth of Sirius so that I can be comfortable doing that road trip. But mm -hmm. I put a note in my calendar so that I can reevaluate next year, whether or not I need this. Mm -hmm. And you might find that if you call them up, this is a pro trick. I think some of you know this. Mm -hmm. Same, 
if you call them up and let them know, listen, I'm not going to renew this because it costs too much. They may have a special deal just to try and retain you. Because yeah, it and costs that, more yeah. to get new customers than it does to retain an old customer. Right. And that works and that works the same with your TV plan um, as well. And, you know, um, the other thing that you should revisit that I know a lot of people just pay, things like auto insurance and homeowners insurance, you get the renewal paperwork in enough in enough in advance that you can call around and just go, hey, you know, give me a quote. I know it's a pain. But sometimes your savings is significant. Sometimes it's a couple hundred dollars. Sometimes it's a hundred dollars a month. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's enough. That's going to help. Um, and if you're a homeowner or a renter, you can go ahead and see about bundling your insurances and see if mm -hmm. you get a better rate. Um, I got a, a significant, I just redid my insurances and I saved significantly on my auto insurance by bundling with the mm -hmm. homeowners. And it, it can make a difference. It's it does. It's not always a difference you see uh, in huge dollars, but you know, mm -hmm. it sometimes even just even just fifty bucks, you know, makes a huge difference when you think about it. Fifty dollars that could be something you put towards your savings. That mm -hmm. could be something you buy. Maybe since Lysol wipes and Clorox wipes are at such a premium now, mm -hmm. you might find that you are. Um, using that to get that stuff, but just mm -hmm. saying. So God, oh, and the other thing, oh, go ahead. One, one more thing about the auto insurance that I want to bring up is that particularly if you are working from home now, part of auto insurance gets charged based on how many miles you go to work. If you are not driving as much, lower your, lower the amount of miles you are, you are driving per year. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important too, guys, because a lot of people, the bare minimum in most um, insurance companies, are, they quote at 12,000 miles a year, which uh -huh. is an old number. A lot of people, especially if you live far outside of a city like I do or, or like Julia does, sometimes uh -huh. you drive in, you know, an hour into, into uh -huh. work or whatever. But if you're not doing that anymore, you may be able to cut it down to like 6,000 miles a year because yeah. going anywhere right now. The also keep in mind that a lot of the insurance companies right now are offering uh, what they're calling there. I guess it's kind of like a rebate. They're, they're mm -hmm. they all have their cutesy names for it, but they're like, giving you checks because you're not driving or they give you a discount. They, they, re, they discount your rate based on mm. whatever. So, you know, just be aware that that is something that that happens. And because um, I know it happened with Geico, I'm pretty certain it happened with other insurance companies. So just check and see if there's anything like that that you're missing out on. And maybe, again, just speaking of auto insurance real quick, if you haven't done a defensive driving course in a while, mm -hmm. take it online. It's worth it. I think you spend 30 bucks on the course, do it online, give them the certificate and watch your rate drop. Mm -hmm. And if you've got any teenage kids, make them do that too. Because... Um, it, every little bit helps right now. That's yeah. the main thing I think that we want to convey. So I'm going to just hit the high points. We want to think about whether we need to shift our priorities in, in terms of how we're spending our money. Um, think about where you can access the resources that you need, particularly if you are tight on money, you've lost your job, you're in a low-income situation. Um, think if there are changes in how you can buy things. How can we buy things so that we can save money? Can we team up with other members of our family to buy things and things of that nature? And 
revisit any automatic payments, subscriptions, memberships, dues. If you haven't canceled your gym membership yet, because you're holding out to go back to the gym, just cancel it. You can always sign back up. All those mm-hmm. things. Anything else you want to share with the people, Julia, before no, we No, I think, I think that's it. You know, I mean, I, the, the, the world is changing. Um, and as much as, as, as difficult as it's been, I think, um, we're kind of at the point where we're seeing where th- things aren't going to go back to normal the way they were before the COVID shutdowns anytime soon. So um, the more we can adapt and adapt our finances to how things are currently working, the better it's going to be to get us through it. I honestly, truly believe that. I think so too. Well, Julia, thanks for being on True Talk. Thank you. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michellebarard.com. You can also reach me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you tune into the show on October 23rd when my guest will be urban book author, Janae Marie. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. And don't forget to tune in to Julia Black and me live on Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific or 4.30 p.m. Eastern for the shelter in place hashtag pandemic 2020 live stream at https colon slash slash rebrand.ly slash shelter in place live stream. I know that's a mouthful, right? Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.